to me, one of the most difficult things about being a good marketer is distilling. How do you get down to, how do you make 500 words, 300 words? How do you make 300 words, 100 words? How, how do you make essence of what you're trying to say really come out? You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Funnel Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about marketing philosophy. I feel like marketing is probably the only field of all the things where it is changing so dramatically that if you are not up to speed with it, and if you're not changing your philosophy around it, you're not keeping up and you may be just gone. So today I have Michael with me, who's the VP of Marketing at Revenue Analytics, and he and I Kind of worked at the same company for three days together. <laughs> Which is amazing time. It's <laughs> amazing. amazing time. He like put off. That's three days ever. <laughs> and then he went on to do some amazing things. I got to do a couple of other things. So it's really good to reconnect. And Michael, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, man. I've been listening to the program for a while. So it's a, sort of a big treat to be on. Yeah, you, so you said something before we get into the fun fact. And others is like, um, when we hit 300 episodes, I sent you a note. <laughs> you, you sent me a note saying, congratulations. Right. And I asked you... <laughs> sends me this this very quickly, mind you, right? So yeah. like apparently he's, he's not I'm doing enough of his day job. <laughs> very quickly sends, do you listen to the podcast? Yeah. I was like, yes, I listen to the podcast. <laughs> what? Like, yes. He's like, oh, okay, I just, you know, let me know. I'm like, yes, of course. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of the two. I, I, you know, it's, but totally honest, it's not a daily friendly thing for me. It's a binge yeah. where I'll go and I'll catch up on three or four or five episodes at a time. But yeah, yeah man, I've, I've been enjoying this one for, for quite a while. That is awesome. And and one of the reasons why, why I'm asked people about it, which I can assume, and now I know that how it might feel, is because when you do a podcast, you're just doing it in a, you know, like in front of a microphone or this conversation. You don't know if there's an audience listening, right? Right. And you do it before it actually goes live. And then there is no way to find email addresses or anything like that from podcasts. So you really don't know if you're talking into a black hole or you're actually talking to someone and it's having an impact. So when you shared a couple of stories of like, you know, listening to Guy Kawasaki's one and that had an impact, uh, I think it makes as a producer of a podcast, like it feels like, okay, great. At least one person is listening. (laughs) I feel like today's marketing... uh deserves to have that word that means creepy and, and cool together. Right? <laughs> we can track just damn near about everything, right? But we can't with podcasts. So yeah. it seems like that needs to be out there somewhere where we can be creeping in the bushes and be like, I can see that. Listen to me. Yes, creepy <laughs> and cool. That might be the phrase of the day, creepy and cool. <laughs> so again, Michael, welcome to the show. Fun fact about yourself. Sure. So I have been a home brewer for many years. Yeah. Uh, and really enjoy it. Uh, and my wife actually puts up with it, which is nice. Uh, and so we've been doing it for quite a while. 
Uh, do you have it in the basement or like how, how do you do it? Because I know people who do the like the, the smell of that is, you know, interesting. <laughs> it sounds like you're saying delicious. To me. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to, you know, used to do it right. indoor and then my wife bought me an outdoor kit. Okay. And I was like, she's really supporting my hobby. She's like, get the mm out of the kitchen. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's cool. That makes uh, sense. So now, you know, I'm, I'm a father of two and so I don't get uh, brew play as often as I'd like. But yeah. every, every Father's Day, my wife knows my ass, which is. Hey, can I get a couple hours to brew? Or yeah. Have some friends over, make some beer, so. That is very cool. How old are your kids? Madeline is one and a half, almost two, and Bailey is four and a half going on 17. That is, that is amazing, <laughs> man. Kids, that age is actually fun. I have an eight-year-old and four-year-old, and I know the four-year-old, like, be like, how did, what happened from four to eight? Like, he's all of a sudden age, and like, so the two to four, four is a great age. The sassiness has kicked in at an early age with that one. She knows. She knows. Um, all right. So we want to talk about marketing philosophy. And, and when we were going back and forth on this notes, what it got me really excited about is a point that you made in, in the notes, which was bringing value to every touch point mm-hmm. in the customer journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it sounds too good to be true, almost utopian. Mm-hmm. But a few minutes ago, as we started to record this, we were just you know, have bantering. Right. You shared a story of what a customer said about your website. Could you share that and unpack that? Sure, sure. Yeah, we recently uh, rebooted our website. And as everybody knows, that's a really fun thing. To do. <laughs> uh, and so it went live about three weeks ago. And we went with a vertical go-to-market. And so now we're, we're splitting off traffic. So everyone has that very specific industry experience. And so when somebody comes to a website, they you kind of choose your own adventure. That's exactly right. And if they go there, it's basically by accident, right? Most yeah. of our content collateral are pushing them to that industry, right? Yeah. They're the backslash industry. And we're at this very large client. And prior to our arrival, he was showing the rest of the executive leadership team mm-hmm. our site. And he, and he said, I can tell you know my industry. It's so clear you guys are exper- experts in in this field of media. That is crazy. And it's like, it's that super dorky feeling as a marketer that you get yeah. this bump. You're like, I did it. I actually connected with something. I can see some giffy images like popping into like, you know, emails like, look at that. So how did that person say that? Like, what was the reason? What made him say that? Hey, look, I'm, I feel like, what, what do you think was the secret sauce, the thing that you created in your marketing mm-hmm. that made the customer say that? Sure. So, you know, we, just to me, one of the most difficult things about being a good marketer is distilling. Right. Like, how do you get down to how do you make 500 words, 300 words? How do you make 300 words, 100 words? How, how do you make the essence of what you're trying to say really come out? And for us and for what we what revenue analytics offers to the market, it's not a double click purchase kind of thing for us. Yeah. Right. And so what we're really trying to establish is credibility mm. and, and make it very clear that, hey, you know what, guys, we know what we're doing and we're going we're to be here to help you do it. Yeah. And so the copy is fairly concise. But it's very, very industry focused. Very, I think the old three letter acronym. I love saying TLA because it's just the, the best. <laughs> all, the industry, all the industry is TLAs, right? <laughs> Using their verbiage. So when they come, they know. Hey, I, I don't have to try to educate yeah. this potential vendor or partner of mine mm-hmm. on who we are and what they obviously get. It. Yeah. And that feeling of release of, geez, these guys are going to be easy to work. With. Yeah. It, and and you, you touched on this, like the easy to work with. You also touched on the fact that if your target audience knows that you care for them, your sales cycle probably is a little bit faster after that point than, well, we're trying to get them to convert. We're trying to get their value prop out there. But in this case, I'm assuming that particular customer was probably like, okay, yeah, let's, let's look at your product and, and make a decision because I already know that you get it. 
Yeah, and, and I think you know customer centricity was hot like a year yeah. ago, right? And like hopefully most of us have caught on board. But if you look at the site, and I stole this totally from someone at, at Serious Decisions, I think it was oh maybe it was the B two B marketing change conference, one of the two. They put up, you know what? Why do we talk about our solutions? Mm. I thought, man, yeah. that's so right. Instead of saying let's let's flip it on the head, and you know the idea came from that, but our execution is a little bit different. We went through and tried to reverse engineer from our pro, from our solutions. What would someone say casually, right? And and kind of conversational tone. Yeah. What would someone say around the water cooler is, man, this is my problem, right? Yes. And so instead of having a solutions page, we have a my challenges. And for ah. my challenges, they we have distilled it down into three or four different somewhat we believe to be concise sentences. Yeah. Or just blurbs, and from there it pushes you over to what, and honestly, is our yeah. solutions page. But it's then mapped to, hey, we hear you. This is your problem. Yeah. And then a quick restatement of how painful it is, yeah. and then into, well, don't worry about that. We can help you solve that. You know, this reminds me of my son Krish. He's eight, and he now is getting to a point where he said, "Papa, what do you do?" And you're like, you get into this uncomfortable situation. It's like, what are you telling me about the podcast? Or do you tell me about the business? Or what you say name? you do? Here. Yeah. Like, no, no, what you actually do? Your teacher? Or you, like, I'm mm. like, oh, what? I mean, I almost felt like it would have been better if my job was a teacher or something. Mm. He would get it. And then I was trying to, like, how do I keep talking talk to him about account based marketing, right? <laughs> so the way I said that, hey, you know, what's your, um, what's your uh, favorite movie uh, or favorite book? And he said, well, it's the, the one that I knew that the Diary of a Wimpy Kid. So anybody who has kids of that age, you know, Diary of a Wimpy Kid is a really big deal. And he said, why do you like that? And so he, when I asked him that, he said, well, because it is stories and it, it almost feels like, you know, that's me. Because this kid is kind of a wimpy kid. He's having challenges all across, but somehow it emerges and becomes a hero. And so it's, it's a story of not superheroes. It's a story of like what happens to an average person. Mm. I'm like, okay, that's really cool. Well, what we try to do is make sure that whoever is the target audience of our customers, their message is in front of them anywhere they go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, oh, that's interesting. I'm so glad he didn't ask, like, tell me more. <laughs> right. And the next level is, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so I think your point of distilling it down and establishing credibility from going from solutions to my challenges is a really big takeaway. Um, one of the other things you talked uh, when we were going back and forth in the email is you talk about the content based on the buyer stages and buyer mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. And again, all of that sounds like utopian, right? It's like, okay, but how do you go? Like, so for example, I'm writing my second book on ABM. Humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. <laughs> uh, it's nowhere close to finishing. It's going to be crazy. But I went from figuring out how to self-publish to, mm-hmm. to finding a vendor and getting him signed up, getting them signed up within two days. Mm. So I did not, if somebody had me in a nurture program for like, you know, nine months or nine mm-hmm. days or nine mm-hmm. weeks, mm-hmm. they would have lost me in two days. Unless they knew you were a previously published author. Ah. And that's how I would target you differently. Yes. That's what, so, so talk to me about how you think about customer journey-based, stage-based content. Sure. So uh, to me, it is, and again, we all know we don't have magical powers to tell everybody to go to the start line yeah. and say, okay, everybody go awareness, right? Like it, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work like that, right? They, they, they self map to where they are on the, on the, on the stage. But to me, it is a almost exact continuum of, of how much time I'm willing to give. Mm. Right. So those first intro emails, they need to be tight and very, very to the point, right. And succinct because I don't know who the hell you are. Yeah. Uh, heck you are. <laughs> yeah. 
And you go through and, okay, I'm in the interest stage. I, I have uh, committed to change. Yeah. I, uh, I'm in the vendor selection. I'm willing to spend more time. I'm, I'll, I'll run a, we read a case study or two. Yeah. If you invite me to the, uh, the AMEs, yeah. that's, that's a several day commitment. Right. Well, you've earned that, right? Yeah. Right. And so that's the, the, the whole line between mm. is what is my relationship to, to you? Have I earned the right to take your time? That is such a big idea. That is such a big idea. This is awesome, man. All right, Michael, you just talked about earn, earning the right. Can you give an example of how somebody listening to this is like, well, how do I earn the right to do anything with my customer? Sure. Yeah. I think this probably, you know, you and I talked about this offline. This applies a little bit more to sales, sales folks than mm. sales marketing folks. But this actually applies very specifically to my journey with Terminus, mm. which I had approached you guys about a year and a half, two years ago, as I was standing up that stack. Yeah. And I was very interested in the product. I was very interested in, in what I could do. And it solved a challenge that I had, but I was on a pretty tight budget. Mm. And my account rep, Amanda, said, you know, if you're not going to spend this level with us, mm-hmm. Michael, frankly, this just isn't the right time for you. Yeah. And I thought, now I really want to buy from her. <laughs> <laughs> like she proved yeah. that she was delivering value to me, that she cared, right? Yeah. And, and by, by letting me know, hey, you know what? This just isn't right for you at this time. I could have probably pushed that through. She, she could probably pull some levers to push yeah. through the, the sale, right? Yeah. Who knows how, how well we would have done with things. But now, in my, in my new organization, it makes all the sense in the world for us to do so. And when I moved over, I wouldn't have done so without some very specific budget and FTE requirements. Right. And one of the things I knew that we were likely going to be able to engage with was with servants. And so yeah. once I started talking with you guys, I said, I want Amanda to be my rep because she she has earned the right to cash in on whatever commission she's going to get yeah. from me. Because she worked hard and you know she proved to me that she cared and that yeah. she had its integrity and morals. and. Not only do I want to do business with a company that employs someone like that, I want to do business with her personally. Yeah, that is beautiful. And the fact that, one, that created an instant respect in your mind because you would never hear a rep say that. Not often. Not often, <laughs> right? So for everybody listening in sales or in leadership, is like saying no is sometimes the right thing to do. We all want to maybe say yes and want to agree with everybody for everything. But maybe saying no is the right thing to do at that point, And that will create respect on both sides. That's really clearly what happened here. And the fact that that you, that speaks highly about you, because the fact that you didn't just come back, but you said, I want the same rep because that person had so much respect and I want that person to have the commission for this thing speaks a lot about you because it just shows that you cared for that level of commitment and integrity. So, Michael, thank you for sharing that. No, of course. All right. So I'm going to try to summarize the top, like, you know, as always, you see like my <laughs> notes, right? Like taking a lot of these notes. Um, and two or three big points, but then I want you to share a challenge with everybody uh, because I think this idea of marketing philosophy and, and thinking about the value that we create in every touch point is, is super, super, super big. So the first thing is the hardest thing to do, as you said, distilling it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, simplification. Uh, how do we make it sure that people understand it way simply, whatever that is. I think the hardest part I've ever done is actually writing less words. Oh, yeah. The longer, if you give me a whole day and I write all kinds of stuff, it makes no sense. Like when I have to write like a sentence or like few words, those are the hardest sell. So how do you, can you simplify it? Because you don't just have mental calories to burn through if you make it super complex. The second thing that you said that seems like you learned recently from a conference is this is really powerful. So hopefully people soak in this. Why do we talk about solutions? 
why don't we talk about the problems? And what you did on your website, which is revenueanalytics.com, um, you guys changed the conversation then talking about your product and your solution to my challenges. So you made it all about your customer. So if there is a point here from a marketing philosophy perspective, we all talked about customer obsession and stuff like that, but we truly don't practice it, right? To practice it, you have to let it about be about your customers. And in this case, you guys are practicing it. You're saying it, my challenges, so I can read it, I can click it, I can go wherever we want. So I think it's like, everybody go to your website, take a look at it, does it, and have your customer take a look at it and ask them if it addresses their challenge. Not your point of view, but their challenge. So I think that's a big one. Yeah, I think something interesting to interject is I, I imagine this might resonate with some folks and, and the, the pushback you'll get is, well, what if someone reads those those statements and that doesn't really ring their bell? Yeah. Guess what, guys? You want to you want to lose early. Great. Right? You, yeah. wanna, you don't want to spend extra sales marketing cycles on someone whose problem you can't solve. Lose early. Fail early on that that's one. That's right. We don't, I mean, that's the fun thing about ABM too. It's like, you know, you, those accounts hopefully are the right accounts because that's where you're going after them. You don't want to go through the filtration process that, that we all used to go. And the last one, I mean, of many other points, I feel like I love the part where you said you have to earn the right to, to market, to sell, to spend more time. So all the things that we do, I think this is something that I'm going to take a big note on is that heavy on the right to, to ask somebody to do something. And, and before you ever ask something, it, you have to earn the right. And there are so many more ways to earn the right to get there, right? As you said, like, you know, doing a podcast, events, activities, whatever, but don't go for the ask directly. Earn the right to do it. And the more time you spend to show that you care, they will care back for you. So Absolutely. I love that. All right, what's the one big challenge you want to share with everybody? Boy, one challenge. So we've talked about a couple of different things today. I think. All of us have, have that, that challenge of distilling things and in the spirit of having some fun with social, why don't we have a at Sangram, maybe <laughs> it's a, a hashtag uh, distill marketing or yeah. something like that. Uh, we'll have to come up with the, the yeah, right hashtag yeah, in the editing phase. Give us your distilled value prop in less than 100 characters. Okay. So give us what you're about. Tag me, tag Sangram, use the hashtag. Okay. And I think that's a fun exercise. And, yeah. You know, maybe your uh, value prop is, is a short or we'll try to make it shorter. Yeah. Like Twitter length. So it's a tweet. We'll make sure that in the show notes, they have your and my Twitter handles and we'll have hashtag distal marketing in there. So put your value prop out there with tagging us with distal marketing hashtag. We'll have it all in the show notes and tell us what your value prop is in a Twitter length. Let's find out how many people actually do it. We'll actually find out if anybody listens. And now you got to do it. Yeah. And now I got to do it. We have we have to start the train. <laughs> so the day this goes live, that day we'll have both of ours there and we'll go from there. That sounds good. Michael, thank you so much for the show, man. Yeah, man. Really, really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.